slip it in. Yo, what is up, everybody? Thanks for joining us for the first episode of the Big Players Only podcast presented by the Big Players Group. My name is Ben, and you'll meet the rest of the guys here shortly. First and foremost, just wanted to jump on here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting us. Without you, none of this is possible. The Big Players Only group is a tightly knit group of friends who share a variety of outlooks on golf and life. We hope to provide an engaging and fun podcast for the world of golf and other popular sports and pop culture topics. On the Big Players Only podcast, you can expect to connect with a variety of our cast's personalities and humor while getting to know our gripes and elations with the game of golf. Our goal on the Big Players Only podcast is to bring golfers of different skill levels and walks of life together to make the game more inclusive and fun for all. The relationships that golf has brought us in past, present, and future is why we believe it to be one of the greatest sports in the world. If you're new to golf, you'll love our consistent segments on golf fashion trends, golf tournaments around the world, including interesting breakdowns on the locations of the tournaments and the unique architectural aspects of certain courses. You'll also love our one-off topics like how to plan a golf trip with the boys or the girls or what's the most important shot in a round? Is it the first tee? Is it your first putt? If you're a seasoned golfer, you'll enjoy our segments on golf sports betting and exploring the evolution of the game over the years including how important venues like Top Golf are to expanding the game to people who are looking to enjoy the atmosphere and challenge of golf that we've grown to love without the expensive and stuffy vibes of a country club. We look forward to hearing from you all. We're so excited you're here. You can find all of our social media links on our website at bigplayersonly.com. That's big players with an S only.com. Thanks again for being here. Let's go meet the guys and have some fun. All right, here we are. All the guys here missing one. Tippy, we'll see you next week to the audience. You'll meet Tippy next week. Uh, let's go ahead and introduce the guys. Got some questions here. Start us off, Dub. Yeah, so I'm Josh. Occasionally go by Dub. Uh, how long have I been playing golf? Probably shit. How old am I now? Since I was forty grade. Yeah, so thirty five years. Got about fifteen years on these guys. No. Uh, <laughs> About 20 years or so, played a year and a half of Division three golf and then kind of turned into a hacker. So that's kind of where I live now. Uh, favorite tournament of the year? Definitely a U.S. Open guy. I was fortunate enough to go to the uh, U.S. Open at Torrey Pines last year. Sick. Great spectacle. And I just love the carnage of the U.S. Open. Birdies are hard to come by. People are grinding out there for par, kind of very similar to my game. What was the score of that tournament? Do you remember? Like what finished? Like two under one? Yeah, it was just a couple under. I mean, typically, unless you're Tiger Woods playing in the U.S. Open, shooting 15 under. Oh, he won that? What did he win, like 10 shots, 12 shots yeah. out here? Ridiculous. <clears throat> Favorite golfer, hot take here, Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Saudi. <laughs> Saudi prince, yes. Yeah, he's about to make $130 million playing in Saudi Arabia for the rest of his life. But, uh, no, I just love what he's done to the game of golf. I mean, he's brought a lot of eyeballs to it with his – crazy approach of balking up and really trying to just bomb it out there and it's it's been pretty impressive what he's been able to do yeah he's still arguably pretty similar golfer to 
results-wise what he was before, but you can't go a tournament whether he's in it or not without them talking about, oh, these guys are out here trying to keep up with Bryson driving the ball, and it's just he's changed the game in a lot of different ways and brought a lot of popularity to it, which is which is really interesting. So I got a question for you. I, saw, I think I saw the stat that you're referring to is like it showed Bryson pre-bulk and it showed like how many wins and top tens he's had in his career, and then it shows him post-bulk, and they're arguably similar. So like, do you think of it like it hasn't changed his game much and he isn't much much of a better golfer, or do you think that if he didn't make that change, he would have never been able to keep up? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think he's focusing way too much on hitting the gym, doing some squats, deadlifts, things like that to increase the power, get that swing speed up. I was looking at his strokes gain the other day. I mean, he still leads the tour off the tee. I mean, especially with that crazy distance and how he's somehow able to keep it in play consistently. His approach game has been awful. I mean, arguably to where he was before. So he's hitting the ball way further, but his wedge game is nothing like what it was before when he was not all hulked up. That's interesting. That's interesting. If I'm able to describe my golf game, I'm saying volatile. Off the tee, I'm hitting it all over creation. I mean, I'm, I'm consistently playing out of other fairways, playing out from under trees, but at the end of the round, I might be able to throw together a decent score by just scrambling all over the golf course. And from one day to the next, I'm going to hit it left, I'm going to hit it right, I'm going to hit it fat, I'm going to hit it thin. I mean, it's, it's ever-evolving, and I have no idea what's going to happen when I go out from one day to the next. Yeah, it's one of the few single-digit handicaps on the podcast. <laughs> so it's either 71 or 79. Still pretty damn good. Nice, Josh. Well, thanks uh, for introducing yourself. Uh, let's move on. Tully. All right. I'm Tully, as Ben was so kind to introduce. I've um, been playing golf for about uh, 11 years after I realized uh, post-high school that I was no longer an athlete and had to go find something I could do. Um, favorite golf tournament Try to do. Yeah, I mean, fail miserably, but we try. <laughs> Uh, for me, I'm going to go outside the PGA Tour schedule and definitely go with the Ryder Cup. I just love the team it, environment instead of your standard, just, you know, every man for himself. USA, USA. Thanks for not being like that other guy that roots for <laughs> Europe. Uh, my favorite golfer is a fellow head case, much like myself, loves to talk at themselves as the ball's in the air. Give me, give me Jordan Spieth every day. I knew it. I knew it. You're going to pick Jordan Spieth later, and I knew he was going to be your favorite golfer. So, Very insightful so, information to Question hear. for you, Tully. To me. Are you hitting that ball off the cliff like he did at Pebble Beach? I mean, I'm definitely too scared to walk up that close. I will, without a doubt, hit it, but I'll roll my ankle afterwards and fall over the cliff. <laughs> um, that being said, one word for my golf game is ignorantly optimistic. I realize one that's word, two, two words. words. One word. But, I mean, words. I'm sorry. I suck. What, my bad. <laughs> but I'm 100% that golfer that I see that little gap, and oh, yeah, I can hit that. I, I can definitely go through there, and it always hits the tree. It never, never fails, but I'm going to keep trying. Nice. Thanks, Tully. Appreciate it. Who's up next? guess that's me. What's up, guys? My name's Colin. Um, I've been playing golf for about 12 years, similar to Tully. Um, it's been since high school. We had we, – most of us were three sport athletes here, so uh, needed something to fill that void. Wrong. Picked up, picked up golf. Rec golf basketball doesn't count. So. <laughs> that's, that's how we filled that void. Uh, yeah, three sport athletes: soccer, baseball, and WNMRC rec basketball. <laughs> um, my favorite tournament of the year. Uh, I'm gonna switch it up a little bit here and not pick major Ryder Cup. I'm gonna go with the Genesis Open. Uh, so it's a Riviera Classic Riv. golf course. Uh, I could watch those guys. I could sit there all day and watch those guys play that 10th hole, whether they hit it um, iron off the tee, 140 in, 
or they bomb it off the tee and you have 25 yards in, it really could go either way with that green and those bunkers. Um, so if so that par four was <clears throat> 270 instead of 320, what are you hitting there? 270. Hmm. I'm probably hitting a five wood uh, about 220 and taking my chances 100. And going for the wedge, not going for the green? Yeah, no. no nice. Way. Um, so, yeah, moving on. My favorite golfer, uh, I'm going to go uh, outside of the Ryder Cup here, Rory McIlroy. Wow. He Fuck. is the perfect mix of um, golf talent, golf personality, and humbleness. And I could sit here and watch him watch, drive the golf ball all day long. Um, but if it is a Ryder Cup year, I'm going with my boy 2L Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa, <laughs> keep an eye on him this what a year. Talent. He's already had a few wins under his belt this year, and he's just going to keep getting better and better. Nice. And then uh, one word that describes your golf game? Yeah, I got a good one here for you. Flat, <laughs> low, flat, all of the above. Uh, flat for a few reasons. <laughs> one, my ball flight is extremely flat. Um, I hit it about 250 on a line, um, hopefully somewhere out there close to the fairway. Um, I have a flat style of play. I'm hitting, I'm probably shooting around high 80s, low 90s, not real exciting. Uh, I'm not driving any greens. I'm just getting it out there and trying to make some putts. But you're still better than Tippy, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. What do you, uh, how many birdies around are you getting? Birdies around, yeah, probably one birdie every three. One point two, something <laughs> over one, one. <laughs> under one point seven. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And finally, my best club, I like to think, is the putter, aka the flat stick. Love it. All right, Kenny, you're up. All right, my name is Ken. I get point zero zero two birdies per round. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst golfer here. Uh, I've been playing golf pretty much as uh, long as Colin and Tully, I guess. But my uh, I guess my dad didn't love me and didn't buy me golf clubs <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, me too, Ken. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much only play golf when I play with you guys. So um, don't have many other friends that golf. Um, favorite tournament of the year, I'm just going to be a homer and say the Masters. I mean, I know it's not the fun pick. Hell yeah. But that's just because of, like, just the culture that surrounds it. I mean, Colin and I used to watch the Masters in college every year. We used to go to the bar and wherever we were in Virginia, Maryland, D.C., wherever, and sit down and watch the Masters. And when Tiger won, like, was it three years ago? 2019. 2019. Where'd you guys at that Irish bar? Is that Dude, where that was? Just saw like grown men cry. I mean, it was an incredible, <laughs> incredible. Yeah, like old, like army vets, just the guys that you think are the toughest guys in the world crying because Tiger won the Masters. Just a crazy just, comeback story. Yeah, and, and the Masters is, yeah, you can't beat it. I mean, I know you guys were purposely not trying to pick the Masters, but I, I picked it anyway. I doubt. Well, I that down was on with, my list. I was just hoping I mean, to pick it. It's the only tournament that has its own app that I download every year and then delete and then download every year. <laughs> Favorite golfer, strictly because of Tiger Woods 2012, is Paul Casey. <laughs> the world's greatest, American. The world's greatest American. <laughs> Completely unrational decision. I know he's not very good. I know he oh, looks like... Oh, bro, don't diss him like that, bro. He's like a he's like a perennial top 30 Sorry, in we'll, the world for like a decade. We'll get Paul on the, on the pod. Um, he's... Uh, just because that game had like 10 total golfers for some reason. I, would, that'd be interesting to dig into why there was only like 10 guys on that 2012 Tiger Woods game. <laughs> Money. Um, love Paul. Uh, one word to describe my golf game is right because I'm playing on the right side of the course. That's that it. is a slice for all of the listeners. I've never seen the left side of the course <laughs> on 80% of the courses I've played, which maybe I'll, I'll try that sometime. That's nice. It. Cool. Thanks, Ken. All right, I'll wrap us up. Uh, my name is Ben. I have been playing golf for, I think, like like 15 years. My first full round was freshman year high school tryouts. Pretty sure I shot like 
120. Um, and then the golf coach was like, oh, you made the team. We need you. So I was like, I don't know how that happened, but glad it did. Uh, my favorite tournament of the year is without a doubt the Open, commonly referred to as the British Open. It's the Open. And then keeping with that similar theme, my favorite golfer, like Colin, is Rory the Kid McElroy. No one hits it better. No one represents the game better. No one's a better father or husband. I mean, the guy just does it all. And Shots then, at Larry <laughs> there. Jeez. Yeah. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> and then uh, one it's word. Da- Daddy Issues podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> one word that describes my golf game is long. <laughs> Not straight. Long. Cool. All right. That wraps up the introductions. We'll, uh, we'll move on here to the Wasteland Games Open. So here we are, fresh off the uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, moving right into the WM Phoenix Open, formerly the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Apparently, oh, changed they, names? They rebranded Waste Management, trying to uh, shift away from being so attached to waste. <laughs> all, it's company? all about that sustainability game it's now. WM. Rebranded. Uh, at TPC Scottsdale, uh, February 10th through the 13th. <sighs> Ben's uh, pop-top distracted me over there. Surprisingly. Surprisingly, a Thursday through Sunday tournament with the Super Bowl on Sunday. Like, wasn't it like a weaker AFC Championship? They yep. they wait. Like, why would we not do that again? I don't yeah. Know. So it's it's the self proclaimed People's Open, greatest show on grass. I mean this this tournament is all about the fans and all about bringing people in. I, it's by far the most attended event during the year. Love boys, those names, boys. What do you think? Is there a better weekend? We got the the Phoenix Open here and the Super Bowl all in one weekend. Yeah, I would love to. Forgetting my birthday, it's kind of fucked up. (laughs) And Tully here turning thirty. Fuck. I would love to see like how often this like through the years like what tournaments have fallen on the Super Bowl, and I wonder how often it's the Waste Management Phoenix Open because like it's literally a beer drinking weekend. I was looking the last few years; it's been in January, so it hasn't been the Waste Management. Oh, nice. Some boring shit like the Genesis. Nice. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Jump into the, yeah. So, 2021, what did we have? So, last year we had Brooks Kepka eagling the, the 71st hole of the tournament, chipping in from off the green, shoot 19 under. Final round 65, pretty solid coming in for a victory. Top five also included, included Shoffley, Ortiz, Steve Stricker getting in there, and Jordan Spieth. So, I'm boy. Oh, yeah. That Lee you have listed is like, yeah, I don't know him. I, know, I saw you skip K. it, but Lee. it's like, no, I don't even think yeah. it's KH Lee. It's like another Lee. It's the only top five in history. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, pretty powerful fields consistently. So for for Brooks to be able to pull off the victory there, pretty impressive. Obviously, big names on the leaderboard pretty consistently. But, yeah, this is the best tournament to attend on the PGA Tour schedule. If you're a golf fan, obviously you're going to be drawn in regardless with with the great field but if you're a non-golf fan i mean this thing centers around entertainment they have concerts going on at the stadium hole every single night bringing in pretty significant names so a great event to attend especially if you don't enjoy golf that much and especially 
you know, if you're on the 16th hole, the par three, being able to watch these guys tee off and heckle them, I mean, is there a better venue in golf than the TPC Scottsdale? So how? Uh, here's a question. How does one get up, go at 7 a.m., and not pass out drunk by 1 p.m.? I think it's earlier than 7. It's called there like five. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> years and years of training. God. Man. Bring some bread. Well, I nice. Mean, yeah, so I remember that, Josh, actually, that the chip-in that Brooks had was just outrageous. He was like, this is this is like the, the par four is probably like 330. Lots of guys are – so I think the water surrounds it behind it and to the left, so you got to be really careful, like, where your ball ends up. Brooks leaves it, like, front right, you know, on a bit of a depression around the green. He hits a chip that probably lands – Three or four yards short of the green, hops up, rolls in, just pure class, like an absolute pro shot. Yeah, this this course was really built. The back nine is supposed to bring electricity on Sunday. I mean, a lot of scorable holes, the seventeenth being drivable. I mean, it just it just creates a great atmosphere for people to have that risk reward on a Sunday to try and drive the green and make an eagle and you know, who knows what's gonna happen coming down to the leaderboard. Yeah, I think sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen are awesome. Sixteen, I mean the stadium par three only plays like a buck forty, buck fifty, which is just nothing for these these pros. I mean, it's a it's a pitching wedge, and then seventeen they're driving, pitching on, and then eighteen I remember is like I think it's just a par four, but it's a pretty interesting driving hole over the water. Kind of fairway runs to the left away from you. The eighteenth kind of reminds me of eighteen at uh, Sawgrass. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, so the TPC Scottsdale yardage. About 72, 7,300 yards, a par 71, built by Tom Weisskopf in 1986. I believe this this tournament has been going on here at TPC Scottsdale since then, so pretty consistent turnout here that they're playing at this course consistently. So the fans know what they're getting into when they come to the WM Phoenix Open. I don't know if I knew it was that old. That's surprisingly a staple on the tour. Is this is this the only tournament that has the balls to go up against the Super Bowl? Like... It might be the only one that can actually do it. Yeah. You think they were just like, well, hit up like a board meeting. They were like, well, let's just keep it on Sunday. Are you saying the Genesis Open guys showed up and were like, <laughs> I think we're good? I mean, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty bold. But everyone's just gonna be watching the Super Bowl on their phone during this like final round. It's an interesting, like, uh, like marketing slash kind of just entertainment proposition. I think. Well, they're both West Coast, so you got to think it's going to pretty much just lead right into it, right? Well, so I think, um, I guess it depends on what time the tea times are, but Super Bowl is 3.15 or 3.30 Pacific. So, which seemingly, like, if they teed off, like, most leaders probably tee off, like, 1 or 2 o'clock. So, maybe they'll have early tea times, let's hope. I mean, I bet the announcers will be, like, commenting on the Super Bowl score. It's just a, it's an interesting thing to, like, actually pay attention to. What is interesting, looking back in the record books for the attendance for this tournament, I believe they've hosted it quite a few times on Super Bowl Sunday because they do have a distinction of Super Bowl Sunday and non-Super Bowl Sunday in the attendance records for each. They're bringing in about half the number of people on Super Bowl Sunday. So it's still pretty surprising that they can draw that many people when – arguably the biggest sporting event of the year is going on, but just a testament to what this tournament really is and what it means to the fans of the PGA Tour. Do you think more beer is going to be consumed at the Waste Management or at the Super Bowl? Oh, that's tough. Where's beer cheaper? That's the the question. What's the attendance at the Waste Management? You Wikipedia sleuthing right now? I'm pretty sure they bring in about 700,000 fans consistently. I mean, we're in different times now, boys, so who knows what COVID means, but that's a pre-COVID number. And I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, last year they were at very... 
uh, reduced number of patrons allowed in the stands. So I think this is going to be, you know, the floodgates are opening. 000. People are getting back out there, enjoying the the Phoenix Open. So I mean, think about what's a, a football field's a hundred yards. So you got and this and the par three is like one hundred and fifty yards. So think about like the additional seating too with that extra fifty yards. I mean, I know it's not nearly as tall and deep, but you got people roaming the course. And then you got probably probably something like thirty, forty thousand people every day just sitting in those stands. Yeah, SoFi Stadium only has seventy thousand capacity, so literally ten times as much is going to be at yeah. waste management. That's crazy. All right, yeah. So if we look back at the last couple of years before Brooks won last year with a nineteen under number, we had Webb Simpson coming in twenty twenty seventeen under. Ricky Fowler the year before seventeen under. Big Dick Rick. Yeah, I mean, has That's where he, he got it, dude? Has he gotten a top twenty since he won in twenty nineteen? Here, yeah, CJ Cup earlier this year, right? <laughs> I don't know. He got married. You know how it goes. Yeah, I mean, it happens. And then, then didn't you get married like four months ago? I expect to have a great season of golfing. <laughs> just so we're on the same page, I'll play you anytime. So here we are, TPC Scottsdale. Three par fives, all over 550, definitely favoring the longer hitters. Fairways are fairly tight, but the rough really isn't a penalty here. So I'm looking at this week for a lot of longer hitters who they don't need to hit the fairway consistently, and ball strikers because the greens are a lot bigger. Ball strikers are really going to run rampant around here, and if they can make some putts, you know, we could see a, a high 19-under round or something like that come in pretty strong here with, with as powerful of a field as we have. Yeah, I think I agree on, on all accounts. It's a ball strikers course. We certainly have a, a pretty stacked field for – I know we're, we're starting to get into, like, the kick of the PGA Tour, but we haven't really seen, like, you know, the major fields yet. I guess it was pretty interesting to see, like, the field in Saudi like last week where Varner won, like, 21 of the top 50 golfers. But we're kind of waiting for that on the PGA Tour – Tournament of Champions to start off the year, but it's going to be fun to see all these guys this weekend. Yeah, really the kickoff to the year, so it'll be exciting no matter what. I mean, even with Super Bowl Sunday going on, I mean, this is going to draw a lot of eyeballs, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Nice. Anything else, W? No, I think let's move on. The question for the boys here, so if you're playing the 16th hole on a Sunday, what's your walk-up song to the par three? What do you have in blasting over the airwaves as you're walking up to the tee? Damn, I'm I'm going Biggie Smalls, brother. I'm getting something. There's a, there's a lot of old heads. I want to get I want to get the whole crowd going. Anyone else? Give me some coheed. Honestly, what the <laughs> who the what, who's that? Come on, man, Hard Rock, The Gutter. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. If any of our listeners know coheed, shoot me an email. <laughs> <laughs> Just call me John Cena. I want the John Cena. Oh, you the can't time see is me. Now and God. Just, just rock some camo shirt on Thursday or something. It oh would be God. fantastic. It'd be a great entrance. Kenny, mm, I don't know. So anything that Kenny Powers would put some sort of real just hype hype mode song. I don't have a good tying on the American flag as you run yeah. out. Really, you just gotta play to the fans. It doesn't matter what music you like. What's the what the fans like? Oh, you dress up like the Bud Knight or something like that. Oh, that'd yeah. be good. Yeah, like, do you have another outfit that you run out in and kind of do a dance with or whatever, really get the crowd going? Sort of 70s guitar riff, 80s guitar riff. Do we know, is is the 16th hole, like, is it usually sponsored by a beer? Isn't like, like, I think I recall, like, I see, like, Bud Light sponsors it. I mean, you can buy whatever you want there, but I'm pretty sure, like, have we ever seen a hole in one there? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever heard of of Tiger Woods? He hit a hole in one there. No, the 16th. I mean, right? can you imagine a That's better where like atmosphere to hit so a hole good. in one if you're Tiger Woods? Agreed. 
think any atmosphere if your Tiger Woods is pretty lit. Our boy Kiko Molinari hit one there the, a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. We had the pleasure at the uh, at TPC Potomac to follow along with a bunch of the guys of uh, Francesco Molinari, and the only people that were following him were his family and us, and it was just such a cool experience. He ended up winning the tournament by like three or four shots, but I think Tiger was there that week, and everyone was following him. Nice. Anything else, Dubby? No, I think that pretty uh, sums up it well. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. Nice. Yeah. So uh, for the Waste Management Phoenix Open, I guess WM Phoenix Open. We uh, let's talk about some odds. So, so some notable names not in the Casey? field. Where's Paul Casey? Paul Casey is not in our top ten oh, odds. <laughs> I'm pretty certain he's not playing this week. Uh, um, hmm. Some notable <laughs> names in the world, uh, yeah, the overall world that. golf rankings that aren't playing uh, top ten would be Rory. Colin Morikawa. Paul Casey. Paul Casey, who is surprisingly, what do we say, 20, 27th in the world. 27th right in the world, man. Guy keeps a low profile. Just making millions doing He almost won the PGA last above year. Average golf. Well, I mean, ago. I know, but I can't believe he's 27. Could you? Just trying to derail Ben's segment here. Sorry. <laughs> well, okay, so so coming into this week, I mean, we have ASU grad John Rahm. He's the top, top uh, favorite with the odds. He's plus 600, so... Every $100 you bet, you win 600 get 700 back. Um, no surprise here. Number one golfer in the world. Uh, last three tournaments he's played in, he's been second, T14, and T3. Um, nobody here picked him. Uh, it's tough. Plus 600 just doesn't seem to give you much value. Um, but absolutely nobody would be surprised if he ran away with this tournament. I feel like you can't be surprised anytime if, with Rom. He's going to always be competitive, but it feels like he doesn't close out a lot of tournaments like in the grand scheme of things like yeah he's he's always up at the top of the leaderboard but i feel like he doesn't actually win that much i'll i'll, I'll give you something there because i do think like the u.s open he won like his putts down the stretch were unbelievable right his seven his putt on 17 and 18 were unreal but i tell you louis kind of gave it to him man like yeah, oh, yeah, I, I, mean, I think you see that a lot in rom's career and that's no discount to how good he is but Certainly a, a recurring theme. I mean, Louie knows where he belongs, and second place is his home. <laughs> it's true. I mean, certainly you got to think Rom is is a heavy favorite. I mean, obviously with the odds, I mean, he is arguably one of the best ball strikers on tour. Obviously, this course plays really well to those types. He hits the ball along the way, and he's been known to make a few putts in his day. So you got to think he's a he's a pretty solid pick to be a top five or maybe even win this thing. Yep, not a bad pick. So we'll run through some more here. We'll actually just cover the guys uh, that – the big players only group have picked. So Tyler, who couldn't join us today, he picked Justin Thomas, who's plus a thousand. So bet a hundred, win a thousand. His last three tournaments: T five, T five, T twenty. He's historically done really well in this. Yeah, tournament. he's like too, top, like five. top five, yeah, top five, like the last five years. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and and coming into recent form, kind of like most of these guys, took a big break after the year ended last year, and then has really come on strong. Had quite a good showing last week. I think the first two rounds was top of the leaderboard and, and faded a little bit, but. Playing great, really great golf. Next up, uh, Hideki Matsuyama's third in the odds at plus fourteen hundred. That is my pick this week. Um, Are you banking on some uh, past experience here? I mean, we got a two-time winner looking to become one of the few three-time winners here. Yeah, and um, I was really impressed with what he did at the Sony, chasing down Henley. Um, I think there's a lot of great names on this on this board right here: Rom, Cantlay, Hovland, lots of ball strikers. But I think that Hideki kind of sets the standard for ball striking and. No one hits it better, and when he putts well, I think he's no one can quite chase him down. In his past victories here, he's been one of the the lower participants when it comes to strokes gained putting. So even when he's not putting well, he's done really well at this tournament. Hard to believe. Imagine being that good at ball striking. Like 
That's a, I was looking last week actually because Cantley is a decent ball striker, but um, a really great putter, like classically a great putter. He finished last week pretty high in the strokes gained putting. Um, he finished like what he finished. He finished T four last week, and his ball striking was like ninetieth in the field. Yeah, Cantley's been really struggling approach shots wise, and and luckily the putting kind of saves him a lot because he's definitely in the top tier of that of that game when it comes to strokes gained. But we'll see what he can do this week. Nice. So next up. Uh, Victor Hovland, plus 1,600. Josh, this is your pick. His last three tournaments, he's uh, 30th, 4th, and 1st. The guy's won a tournament every month for the last three months. He's now 3rd in the overall world golf rankings. Not a lot to hate here. Guy is just a machine. I mean, we're just waiting for the floodgates to open when it comes to the PGA Tour, and this guy realizing how much potential he has. I mean, he's a ball striker. He hits so many greens. He's a... His around-the-green game, chipping, pitching, a bit of a liability. That's not going to hinder him this week. So I think it's I think it's a green light for Hovland this week, and I love a top five here, maybe even a victory. Yeah, I mean, I think one problem with Victor is that you look at his wins, and they're just, like, not good wins. Like, talented fields, but, like, not PGA-sanctioned events and European Tour events, and it's just interesting. I think it's just, like... He needs to start filling in a little more with some PGA Tour events, and then the guy is going to be right up there in the same conversation with like the next Tiger Woods, this Colin Morikawa, and people. You were a good point there, Ben. Like I've always wondered when you people are playing like overseas and those random other like tours and stuff. Like, what is the difference in the quality of the course, like in the, how fast the greens roll and all that kind of stuff, versus what they're always playing on the PGA Tour? Because it it every it seems like everyone always they look more at the PGA Tour wins like they don't look down on like European Tour wins but it doesn't carry the same weight. Yeah, I think a lot a lot of it has to do with like the quality of the field and and, and it's just like pure pressure. Like, you know, like it's 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 much more it's much more impressive and harder to win on the PGA Tour than any other tour. Not to say it's any better than the others, it's just the level of competition is usually better. Certainly the courses on the PGA Tour set the standard. They are like quite usually pristine and under the European tour, like those courses are awesome, but they're definitely like more geared toward a, a grinding player as opposed to maybe an elite player. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We need Hovland to get a few more of these under his belt. So uh, next on the list, as we referred to earlier, Homer pick for Tully, his favorite golfer, Jordan Spieth plus 1600 going into this, this week, his last three tournaments, uh, a little up and down 21st cut second. Looked great last week. Um, I was just thinking about it, man. He was, like, knocking down pins from 180 yards into the win with six irons. Like, there's a lot of good ball strikers out there, but when Jordan's on, man, he's on. And I guess the question I have is, do you think he can his driver can hold up this week? Because he looked a little, little wobbly down the stretch. I mean, he feels like the kind of guy that, you know, even when he hasn't hit his driver well, you know, really early in his career when he was, you know, the hottest golfer on tour, it felt like he wasn't ever really, you know, hitting it perfectly he would miss and he'd be in the rough but his ball strike and his you know recoveries were always phenomenal and then he's always been known to be a great putter he'll make it from anywhere on the green even with with those greens being so big where they're at he's gonna have the chance to drain in some long ones get get the crowd behind him and get get some momentum i think yeah coming into this last week at pebble beach i believe he was coming off his worst stretch of his career so it was great to see him turn things around and hopefully that's a sign of things to come for him to start playing a lot better than he was to start off this 2022 season. I think it's an interesting point you bring up, Tully. When you think about, like, guys losing strokes in tournaments and if they have a good short game, like, like short game is absolutely paramount to being a good scorer on the PGA Tour. And a lot of guys' short games come to light because 
they hit a bad iron shot and they miss screens. But a lot of times for Jordan, it's because his drive is so bad that he can't even get to the green on his second shot. So he's got to lay up. And his strokes gained around the green are, are incredibly impressive. And, and that's certainly where he makes his money. Nice. Um, next on our list is uh, Scotty Scheffler. Colin picked him 22 to 1 or plus 2200. Um, we know the kid's got game. I'm pretty sure his hands are like the size of Randy Moss's, like triple XL gloves. His last three tournaments are second, 25th, and 20th. Um, let the course up last year, 67, 65, 66 in the first three rounds. Pretty mediocre 70 on Sunday, similar to another guy on this list, Alexander Shoffley. Um, can these guys bring it home? Colin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at Scotty Scheffler, he – Grew up playing basketball. He's used to these big crowds. But at the same time, I think he can feed off that crowd without letting it get to him. I mean, you watch him stroll around the golf course. He's very even keel. I mean, he's going to feed off that crowd, but he's not going to let it kind of build him up too much to where he's going to collapse when it comes down to these clutch holes at the end. And I think, I mean, you look at his performance here last year. um, I think he's going to learn from that Sunday round and really build off that. Um, But, man, I mean, he's already playing well this year. He's he's always he's always seems to be up there, especially in the majors. And I think when as these bigger tournaments start to roll around, he's really going to be he's really going to be up there and having chances to win here soon. You know, I don't know if I knew that he was a basketball player. I think everyone, or at least for me, I know like DJ is the guy I think of when I think about like high school basketball player. But I guess who who's winning one v one to to eleven? DJ or Scotty? I mean, you got to give the advantage to the height there. I think, but. Uh, is DJ taller than Scotty, you think? I would I guess. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think Scotty's a bigger boy than we give him credit for. Yeah, agreed. Nice. Okay, that that that, uh, that wraps up our, our panel's picks. Uh, some other guys wrap, rounding out the top 10. Xander Shoffley at plus 2,000. Daniel Berger at plus 2,500. Um, Daniel Berger with some good recent tournament results in 7th, 5th, and 20th in his past three. But he is coming off a back injury that kept him out of pebble. Uh, Brooks Kepka, defending champion, comes in at plus three thousand. So a hundred dollar bet nets a three thousand dollar profit. Um, one note I had on Brooks: uh, he's not playing his best golf. And one thing to note is uh, his final round last year, he had two eagles and he only won by one. So uh, some might call it luck, some might call it skill. Um, we'll see. Better be lucky than good, Benny. Absolutely, every day. A couple long shots we're looking at this week. Uh, get aboard the value train. Yeah, we got uh, Taylor Gooch, who's uh, 100 bucks gets you $5,500 in profit. Um, this guy was recently quoted saying he expects and wants to be the number one player in the world. Power to him, man. Over the over the past 40 rounds, actually, only John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, and Victor Hovland have more strokes gained than Gooch. Um, and then another pick that we're looking at this week, ASU grad, Pat Perez coming in at a hefty plus nine thousand, uh, hundred bucks to win nine grand. ASU grad, he fits the vibe of the tournament. He's a beer drinker. He's a whiskey drinker. He could really feed off this crowd. And he's actually twenty fifth in strokes gained approach to the green this year. Um, his last few finishes: T uh, six at Farmers and T nine at Pebble. Any thoughts, guys? I absolutely love the Pat Perez. Sprinkling a little bit of Pat Perez in your your weekly uh, bets. I mean, he lives in Arizona. He plays these courses all the time. He's familiar with the style of them. You know, he's obviously went to ASU, so I'm sure he's played TPC Scottsdale a billion times. So, I mean, obviously he's playing hot as well. T6, T9, that's not, nothing to scoff at against 
solid fields, I'd say, at the Farmers and Pebble. Like, not not great, but solid stuff there. And, I mean, at plus 9000 you $10 wins you 900 Yeah, I know. 10 bucks, right? Why not, why not sprinkle it in there? Yeah, one other long shot I want to throw out. Luke List, coming off a playoff victory at Torrey Pines, really might have figured out how to play under pressure and close out a tournament. Hitting the ball really well, high up there on strokes gained over the last three to six months. So another name to look out for. He had a great rest last week, spent some time with the family, ready to come back and contend in another tournament here. I don't disagree. That guy hits it. I mean, he's he's very underrated. He hits the ball a country mile. He's a big dude. He's also a you great... He's a, a big player? He could be a big player. We might consider him to be a big player. He's also a Grayson guy. So rock and Luke list. Love him. Like those three guys, Taylor Gooch plus 5,500, Pat Perez plus 9,000, Luke, Luke List coming in somewhere in that same range. You know who else went to ASU? Who? Paul Casey. Hey! <laughs> I should have had his Phil. Yeah, I know. Phil and John Rom. It's, it's ASU it's, it's, grad in front of people for this tournament. It I'm sounds sure. so much more legit. I think ASU is probably top five, top ten as far as its grads are concerned and success on the PGA Tour. I mean, you look at like OK State turning out some people, but I mean – ASU's got a lot going on. Cool. Anything what, else, guys? I wonder what Pat Perez majored in in college. <laughs> Moving on. Definitely got to be yeah, I think we can. I think we can throw out another name, Seamus Power. I mean, that guy's just been churning out top 25 victories like it's nothing. I oh. mean, his odds are very high. He's he's rounded into form, playing really solid golf. Maybe he can feed off the, uh, the vibe of his uh, fellow countrywoman who's coming off of LPGA Leona. victory. So do it for Ireland, Seamus. Let's see it. Oh, Seamus Power and Leon McGuire. Yeah. I'm going to just hand him a Guinness on the 16th. Honestly, last last week, Seamus played really well. I thought he could have walked home with that title. He kind of uh, he lost his steam over the weekend. Leona was quoted uh, in an interview talking about how cool it would be. Uh, Leona was an incredible talent at the Solheim Cup, uh, really coming into her own. Agree that Irish golf is on the up and up. Cool. All right, that wraps up the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Uh, the WM Phoenix Open will now uh, move on to the Super Bowl. All right, here we are on the eve of the Super Bowl. NFC champs Los Angeles Rams versus the AFC champs Cincinnati Bengals. This was a golf podcast. Hey, it's a pop culture and other sports podcast, all right? <laughs> I just keep interrupting Ben until he gets mad at me. So here we are. We got Rams. Their last Super Bowl appearance was in 2018-2019. Decent team there. Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, um, and they lost to the Patriots. Right, so talking about a good offense, they lost to the Patriots 13-3 to in what is the lowest-scoring Super Bowl of Wasn't all time. Wasn't that the same year where it was like that iconic game against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes where it was like supposed to be in Mexico and they, it was like 50-51 to 51 or something? Yep, I think so. Uh, so. But for the Bengals, their last Super Bowl appearance is uh, the 88-89 season, losing to Joe Montana, future Hall of Famer, and the 49ers. Uh, the last Super Bowl victory for the Rams was uh, 1999, and the Bengals... Want, want, have never won a Super Bowl. They are one of like six or eight teams. So it's like the Lions, the Vikings, the Jags. Yeah, just there's only like three teams that have ever, never made it to a Super Bowl, but there's like eight or nine that have never won a Super Bowl. Um, and then did you guys know, because I did not know this, that the L.A. Rams were the L.A. Rams for almost 50 years before they went to St. Louis. 
and then spent about 20 years in St. Louis before returning to LA in like 2016 or 17, something like that. Yeah, it was a long time. It was a big, big thing. And then for whatever reason, they were like, yeah, let's bring the Chargers to LA too. Yeah, I know all the old guys that are going to be listening to this are like, oh, you didn't know that? But I didn't know that. <laughs> well, Eric Dickerson was always in the LA Rams, right? That's true. Yeah, good point. And then uh, recently, St. Louis just won like a huge lawsuit against the NFL and the Rams for the way they pulled out of St. Louis. It was, oh, it's just some nutty number. Like, it might hit me in the billions. It's crazy. So uh, the line for the game, we're looking at Rams minus three and a half to minus four and a half, depending on which sports book you're placing your bets through. Uh, this is a home game for the Rams. Um, wondering how much that's factoring into the spread. Uh, this is the Rams in Charger Stadium, uh, SoFi Stadium in L.A. Kickoff is planned for 6.30 Eastern or 3.30 Pacific, uh, which, like we talked about, might run into the the WM Phoenix Open. Um, not sure. We'll have to see if Sunday tea times are early. And then uh, something else to note, because it is a bit of an early kickoff, uh, it's a dome and uh, should have no problems with the sun setting and the glare. Weather looks to be in the high 50s, low 60s. <laughs> like I like put here, perfect big boy weather. So No sweating occurring for people in the stands. Um, so on, on the road to the Super Bowl, the Rams beat the Cardinals 34-11, uh, to 11, I think in a game that we expected to be a little bit more competitive. Uh, Kyler Murray... And the and the Cardinals really uh, disappointing, and then they beat the Bucks thirty to twenty seven in a bit of a shootout toward the end. They should have won that game probably by two touchdowns, and they let Brady back into it. But nonetheless, a victory. And then another tight game for the Forty Niners. Uh, Rams prevail twenty to seventeen and make their way to the Super Bowl. Bengals beat the Raiders uh, first round wild card round twenty six to nineteen. They move on. To the Titans, Titans with a one seed, home game, Bengals prevail, winning 19-16. to 16. So, and, and then another close game against the Chiefs where they prevail 27-24. to 24. So, two three-point decisions headed into the Super Bowl. What are we feeling, guys? Honestly, I, I'm really liking the Bengals. I know it's kind of a, a popular pick right now, but really, I mean, the, the Rams haven't been anything crazy, you know, exciting in the terms of their wins. You know, they've given up points you know even when they jumped out against the bucks and they let them right back in the game and you know it, that came down to overtime or really close to, i don't know did it go to, whatever um and then yeah, not overtime but it was very close yeah, it was like last second field it was last second field. Yeah. that's all yeah the cooper cup and then in terms of them having the home field advantage like looking at the their record like they're five and three at home cool great but they beat the bears they lost to the cardinals which was a better team they beat they beat the bucks give them credit <laughs> But they beat the Lions at home, no offense, Colin. And they lost to Tennessee. They lost to pretty much anyone anyone that made the playoffs for the most part. Other than the Bucks. they lost at home. So I don't know how big that's going to really play into it. The Lions yep. were competitive in that game. <laughs> I think you think a lot about, too, like what is the Rams' culture, man? I mean, it's a lot of really great players, but I'm not sure there's a lot of cohesion. Like McVay is an absolute genius. And you look at guys like Vaughn Miller coming in midseason, OBJ coming in midseason, Absolute studs at their position, but there's a little bit to be desired there from a team chemistry perspective. I disagree, Ben. Okay, what? why? <laughs> What's the most important position on the field? The quarterback. And what and matters also, the most between the quarterback and the play caller? This is his first year in L.A.? Yeah. First year in L.A.? <laughs> first, first time really being in the playoffs? It's, it's a natural chemistry there. <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> McVeigh and Stafford, they vacation together. They're That's top how like, this relationship started. They jive. They have their agreements, their disagreements, but at the end of the day, they're going to go out there and win the game. Four of their top five players are like 
first year at the fucking organization, but I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. So, Colin, you just really feel like this is your Super Bowl to win, right? Listen, as a Lions fan, and <laughs> be the closest um, you're ever going to get to a I'm Super sure, Bowl. I'm sure the, the Lions fans out there, former can, franchise player, might win. Can one. side with me on this one, but this is like a consolation prize as a Lions fan because we're not going to be there anytime soon. But seeing Stafford hoist that trophy, that's that's going to be the second best thing for us. I mean, there's a big push now for like the Pro Bowl to just be the two worst teams playing. So the Lions are going to have way more Pro Bowlers than ever moving. Or the forward. Lions versus like Alabama. I'd like to see that. That wouldn't be a competition. Is McVay? Yeah, Alabama would win. Are McVay and Stafford Lions like the same three. age? Are they the same age? How old? How old? No, I feel like McVay is probably like five years older than him. Yeah, I think mm. it's closer than you realize. I think they're though. like a year apart. Yeah, and it may be Stafford is older. Yeah, I just think this game's really shaping up for Joe Burrow to fulfill the prophecy. I mean, he's going to complete the triumvirate of Heisman Trophy winner. Collegiate NCAA champion and Super Bowl winner never been done before, as far as I'm aware. So only by a running back. It'll be really interesting to see. I mean, the the guy just does not lose in critical games. Is, is it true? I think I saw a stat right where he is like seven and zero in elimination games in college and, and pros. Right? He, he, how many years did he play at LSU? Two, two in LSU. But his first year, they didn't make they didn't make the, the championship. They, I think they probably made it to uh, so he's, a regular bowl. So he was so his. his Sophomore, junior year, whatever it was in LSU, he won, he won two games there in the playoffs, right? So it would have been a four-team NCAA playoff. He won the semis and then the finals, and now he's three and zero in the NFL playoffs. So I think he's undefeated in college and NFL playoffs, which is pretty impressive. Cool. Okay, a couple of players we're looking out for. I know we've discussed a few, but uh, I think Kenny has something he wants. Yeah, to go say. for it, Ken. Well, I was going to say, I I think um, if you're looking at well, I saw Cooper Cup next on the list, so I was going to talk about that. If you're looking at MVP odds, are we going to get to that, or should I? Yeah, yeah, go that? for it, go for it. At non-quarterback odds, you have well, you have Stafford is even odds, which is is I think is way too high. Um, you have Burrow, and then the next two, and Cup is plus four fifty. But then you have the two main wide receivers. So Cooper Cup is plus four fifty, and Jamar Chase is plus fifteen hundred. So I do feel like if there's value in saying, okay, maybe. Can we stat check that, Tully? What is Jamar Chase? Uh, on FanDuel, yeah. I got uh, I 2500 for Jamar Chase and oh. 550 for Cooper Cup. 20, just, what the? Just, f- Jamar just, Chase, 2500 I just checked it like five minutes ago on just on... I thought it was going to be lower. I was just asking because I thought it was lower. But yeah. anywhere from fifteen to 25 is crazy. So I can see a situation where, say, you know, Burrow gets banged up, he goes out for a quarter or something, and Chase gets another 200-yard game. That's, that's pretty good value. So I feel like if you're going to go after value for... Uh, any one of the players you get cup well cup was like plus 500 but chase could steal the show so i i, I would tend to lean rams but That's i do i do feel like chase could be a kind of a nice value bet or kind of going all in on his kind of coming out party as well in the, in the biggest stage so that's because of ramsey though well I mean, yeah. Ramsey got torched last game. I mean, last Ramsey game gave up brady's last touchdown so how good is he really i mean that guy's like 75 years old yeah not i don't discount it so Keep an eye on Jamar for MVP. Another interesting stat, Cooper Cup <clears throat> averaging eight catches for 129 in the playoffs and then four TDs so far in the playoffs. Um, like we talked about, Joey B, Joe Shiesty, undefeated in elimination games in college and pros, I think. Averaging 281 through the air. Not crazy numbers, um, but a lot of it's coming late in games. Like You know these playoff games are always going to be close, and he's just really – he seems to have it down the stretch. Um, uh, we've talked about Stafford, but I think uh, another thing that I'm looking at is, is the Rams D and can it hold up? Um, giving up the 11th most passing yards, um, kind of middle of the road there, but only the second most passing touchdowns. You guys have any comments on that or thoughts? 
thinking is is it Ramsey locking down the red zone? Like, or is it the blitz getting home? Like, what do you guys think? It's that bend but don't break mentality. Let him come down the field, but don't let him score the touchdown. Yeah, they're probably I mean, low the in the Patriot, box. Though. Patriots have been doing that for years. Agreed. So is the football team now the Commanders, and they've sucked forever. So Commander, I just met her. <laughs> Speaking of Rams D, can we go back to the MVP conversation for a second? Aaron Donald has better odds than Jamar Chase. What does Aaron Donald have to do in this game to win MVP? Uh, three sacks and a forced fumble. That's it? Yeah. And the Rams would have to win. What so do you yeah, mean that's, that's it? Happen. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, most pros are – 20 sacks a season is just that, – that is Hall of Fame numbers. So Aaron Donald has three sacks and a forced fumble. Stafford throws for 300 and two touchdowns. I'm not, Stafford's it, not getting – I think it goes to Stafford. And that's yeah, yeah, scenario. not comparatively. Like, if usually an MVP has a good game and there's a rest of, of a lot of mediocre performances, I would say. But, you know, if Stafford goes off, you want Stafford, take him, plus 100. I mean, he's gonna he's the best quarterback in this game. He's got an unbelievable line and receiving core, like – I wouldn't be surprised if he hits Van Jefferson for an 80-yarder at some point in this game. It's worth noting, the last time a defensive player won the MVP, it was Von Miller, who's now on the Rams. Was it, was it the Broncos? Was yeah, it was like with the Broncos. Or 16? Uh, yeah, that strip sack on Cam. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, I mean, so we – go ahead, Kenny. Well, I was just going to say, are we going to, like, make our picks here? Are we going to do that at the end? Uh, I'm not really willing to put my pride on the line here because I think this game is too close. <laughs> but if anyone wants to do it, well, go for it. I just, well, I just want to thought on like the home field. I think we should talk about the home field advantage thing for a second because I do feel like it's, I don't know if it's overrated or underrated. It's it clearly they could just kind of be with their families, sleep in their beds. I mean, there's probably some, there's probably a lot of advantage to that. But actually putting three points on that in the line to bring them to minus four and a half, I think is a is a maybe too high i don't know i feel like everyone's going to be jittery no matter what because it's the super bowl so i feel like the home field advantage may not be as big of a deal as people are making it out to be i don't know do you guys have any thoughts on that it worked pretty well for tampa last year they had home field advantage we're looking at back-to-back home field super bowl that's incredible i didn't realize maybe it's like an occam's razor the most obvious solution is actually the answer right so if the rams it's a destiny they went all in they're just going to be like okay we're going to win and the Bengals, I, I think the Bengals are just too good of a, too kind of unbelievable of a story to actually make it happen. I'm going all Rams. Yeah, I think um, this may not be true, but I do believe it's close. Is home field advantage is, and it may be different in the playoffs as well, but traditionally it's like a three-point swing. So you look at a game in a neutral site, add three points to the home team. Um, so like we might be looking well, at this as like a, a one-point Really, like five years has been closer to two. There's a lot of data to support that, even one and a half. Yeah, and I think when it comes to the whole home field thing here, I think we saw last game. Yes, the Rams won, but that was at at worst a fifty fifty, or at best rather a fifty fifty split between Forty ers and Rams fans in that stadium. And then the just in general how the playoffs work is it's not as open, you know, where it's it's not as easy to get tickets as it is you know on a regular season game. So you've got. These tickets are what? They're going for like $5,000 a pop right now or something yeah, ridiculous like that. Oh, my God. I think I had that as something we should discuss. I think I took it out. But, no, have you seen like the – if you want to sit in like the first 50 rows, these things are like thirty grand right now, and they're only going higher. Yeah, it's outrageous. So people that are, get, people are getting that are strictly, you know, oh, it's I'm just going to be here for the show. I'm not really – I don't really care about the actual game most likely. There's probably very few people that are, you know – dedicated lifelong Rams fans that are buying those tickets. Agreed. So Colin, we put in uh we how, you know we, we place in a bet on Stafford there for uh MVP. You liking it? I don't know about that. Um I think this whole room knows that I have the Rams to win the Super Bowl and I've had that for a while because I'm confident in my boy Stafford. 
But um, I don't know. I think the Bengals could be tough. There's definitely two different narratives here. You have the Bengals, like, oh, no one believed in us. Who day? I mean, I don't. Don't get me started on who day. I've never heard of who day before. It's who dat. I mean, where did where did who day come from? But then you got the Rams who are over here, cool, calm, collected. You got Stafford's on interviews in ESPN saying that pressure is a privilege. Meanwhile, the the Bengals are going crazy about how. Oh, no one believes in us. We're going to show up and, and beat them. Like, I don't know. I just feel like the Rams are so much more composed and ready for this, and I don't even think it's going to be close. How do you feel about um, OBJ's comments? And I feel like he has this affinity toward Joe. It's really funny. Like, opposing teams in the Super Bowl, and, and OBJ comes out talking about, this guy is just generational. And I appreciate his, his college home home pick, but it's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some there's definitely a homer mentality there, and I don't know. I think he gravitates towards him because I mean, everyone knows Joe B is he's a cool dude. Um, OBJ also seems to be kind of a cool dude up on um, up on the latest trends, fashion. But um, I don't know. We'll see. They definitely have some connection there. Nice. Uh, can we get a little uh, Super Bowl halftime update? Who's performing? So we got Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. And then just bringing in some new school with Kendrick coming in as well. So it's I think it's going to be a lot different vibe than it was with the weekend last year. Hopefully not getting like oh, lost what a in a weird maze of Ugh. mirrors with lights. That and was stuff. so fucking weird, Ken. Did you say you liked it? Yeah, I was into that. Oh like, fuck, it was a COVID year. I like us the movie a lot. Oh, that was so fucking weird. All those people he tried like sitting. something. You know, he tried something. He tried something different. He didn't just come out I feel and like sing. his hand was forced. He failed, but he tried. I mean, I didn't like. He had some weird face stuff going on there. But uh, oh yeah, we'll talk about that. But that's a really, really lit Super Bowl halftime schedule. Like, it's actually is it is it unusual to have that many performers? Because that is unreal. I feel it's like LA. Usually Every, it's, it's LA. Everything's bigger. It's yeah, true. and I feel like usually like it's like they they tell you three, and then there's like a fourth random person that shows up. So I think they're just kind of putting it all on the table here and just hoping it hits. I can't wait for that. Nice. All right, that pretty much wraps up. Uh, anything else, guys? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to throw a pick out there. I mean, this is a pot, uh, golf podcast after all. So my parlay, if I'm going to combine the WM Phoenix Open and the Super Bowl, my pick's been Victor Hovland. I'm going to top 10. And I'm going to combine that with a Joe Mixon anytime touchdown score. <laughs> What's that? What are those, for what are those plus two? plus 560 parlay. <clears throat> I am, I'm going to bet great, that honestly. very responsibly. But I feel pretty good about that. So can we get what are the individual odds on those two bets? Victor Hovland top ten is a plus two thirty. Joe Mixon, even odds plus one hundred. So we'll Anytime, see. Yeah, I mean, don't don't sleep on the running backs, man. Like a lot, a lot, a lot of through the air this year in the NFL. A lot of premier receivers in this matchup with two absolute stud quarterbacks. But don't sleep on Sony Michelle. Don't sleep on Joe Mixon. I totally agree. Cool. I think that wraps up our NFL segment. Looking forward to a good Super Bowl. Let's go on to one, one of our uh, one-off topics here with Tully. So to wrap up the podcast today, we're going to do a little one-off. We're going to talk about something all of us golf-addicted pieces of crap have thought about before. Is that It's getting a membership somewhere. You know, there's there's a lot of different variety out there. There's For those of us who are maybe super wealthy, you, know, you could always go for the private country club that's going to cost you 
exuberant amount of money. Who day? Yeah, yeah. Who day? That, that's no one here, and I highly doubt that's any of our listeners. But it is out there if you happen to you know hit it big on the Mega Millions this week. But for the more realistic of us, uh, you know, there's a lot of public memberships out there. You know, you've got your munis, you got your private owned courses, whatever. But you know, there's a lot of public. Like the realistic. Look at us. Hey, <laughs> look at Just us. Just us regular us. people. Who would have thought? Who, who would have thought? We're such regulars. But I mean, looking at looking out something, golf.com put out an article, you know, said the average round, which was surprising to me, was cost about thirty eight dollars in twenty twenty one. Wow. So I think that's you know definitely capturing I think you know, we some paid of paid a lot more than that pretty consistently. Oh, this for past sure. Year. For sure. Yeah. We're very bougie, obviously, yeah. here on this podcast. But I mean, you know, it's you've got a lot of different areas out there and I think it's capturing the entire country. Uh, as well as surprisingly, it's actually with a COVID surge. Uh, it actually saw like a decent increase in the green fees. All that being said, an average membership of these public courses usually rounds, you know, one to five thousand dollars. So there's a huge range there in terms of your quality, what you can be looking for, and there there is something kind of out there for everybody. But you know, it's kind of weird in that you know it's very situational based off of where you live, you know, how much play you could actually have. So like, yeah, you, you have a oh, you're good. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump in. Like, I, I'm, the difference between a one thousand and a five thousand dollar membership, like. The courses you can get a thousand dollar membership at, like that's pretty much your greens fees. That's no frills. That's a dollar fifty Bud Light at the turn. The five thousand dollar ones. <clears throat> I mean, those are your places that are free range balls, maybe free drinks and food. Yeah, and I mean, even the the five thousand. From what I was seeing, looking around, it, it didn't include any sort of a free drinks and food. But the dollar fifty Bud Lights of the thousand dollar course sounds pretty nice. I mean, yeah, that, that's where are you seeing that? that? Because that, I'm joining that's that a hell course. of a deal that's right yesterday. Glade Valley. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot of benefits to having you know a, a membership. You know, you literally can just go out basically whenever you want, and if you know on those highly touted times, you know, you have that early tea time reservation. So if you want to go out on Father's Day, treat your father, go out on Mother's Day, treat your mom, whatever it is, you know, you can get that way before everybody else. Why are people laughing at me? It's kind of, I feel kind of insulted here. Yeah, I just think it's funny, like, I mean, treat your mom by going golfing. If your mom golfs, that's cool. I just, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, people, uh, People's moms golf. No, I know. It's good. I, I just, understand your mom doesn't, but like, what's wrong hey with man, you? Yeah, Grow mom, the women's like, game. No, Bye. no, I know. I think it's great. Tom's literally wearing an LPGA Tour shirt right now. Yeah, I shouldn't say that. That's true. Yeah, it's like Colin, Colin, it's like wow. for those that can't wow. be here, Colin's LPGA sweatshirt is absolute fire. Also worn by famous NBA players and prominent LPGA golfers. The guy really wants to grow the game. Appreciate it. Yeah, true. Yeah, anything to say about that, Colin? <laughs> it's fire. True. It's fire. It's I guess fashion. I was laughing because it's like buying a gift you want for yourself for your mom. But you know what? I should I should reframe my uh my uh perception of Maybe you should so take I your apologize. mom golfing this year. Take her you know out. what? Maybe hey, you're right. It's Maybe a good right. place to Maybe hang out right. with the moms. My mom is very, very adamantly said she's never going golfing again after golfing well, with my dad. But well, you know, give okay. it a shot. All right, big Mother's Day tradition. All right, <laughs> there it is. I mean, there are a lot of moms when we went to Pinehurst, right? I mean, <laughs> we were there also on uh, the Kids World Championship, yeah, weekend. Lots of parents agreed. Chicken nuggets. Cool. So, Tully, you run us through some uh, pros and cons of what it is to own a, a, a golf membership. Anyways, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted by Ken. Uh, uh, but like you know, typically with the, the public courses, you, know, you don't have to pay any of that initiation fee you have to deal with the, that the, is nice with the private semi. Like that can be anywhere from like twenty five thousand to like two hundred fifty thousand dollars or more. Right. Um, and it does just encourage you to just get out there, play whether it's nine holes, eighteen holes, three holes before it gets dark, whatever it is. 
uh, as well as you get a chance to kind of meet new players. If you don't know when you're going to go out, you just kind of go out there and, you know, you can make some you know new golfing buddies, which is always fun. You know, sometimes you get sick of doing the same golf round with the same people you do a podcast with every Tuesday. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> it's not me, but, you know, every Thursday. <laughs> you mean. Uh, some cons, though, is, you know, with the public courses, you know, you still run into the fact that it just gets overbooked. You know, we've all been at the same course where you go up, you, they stagger tee times five minutes apart, and you're stuck waiting 15, 20 minutes between each shot. Great when you're trying to booze, but, you know, bad if you're trying to, you know, squeeze in a quick nine or something like that. And it's, you know, never great for the, the game either. You know, in between every shot, you're just thinking, getting distracted, can't really confident, uh, you know, concentrate on anything. Uh, as well as, in my opinion, I think it's really fun to uh, play different courses. So just playing the same course over and over again, yeah, yeah, you get to know the course. You may be able to, you know, shoot your, you know, career low pretty easily, but, you know, then you're you're not seeing anything else. So you go to a new course and, you're, you know, it's a completely different setup. You could just be, like, miserable not knowing what's going on. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think it's a – got to be really realistic with your with yourself, right? Yeah, like – I think I'm okay with playing the same course over and over again. You switch up the tees. Maybe you take the driver out of the bag. Maybe you try to hit knockdown shots all day. You get creative. But if that's not you and you really need the variety in the course itself, a membership's probably not for you. You're right. Yeah, and I mean, that's obviously a pretty optimistic view there in terms of someone that can actually hit knockdown shots and take their driver out of the bag. As someone that sprays it all over the course, I, I usually need all the clubs in my bag. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily fit for me. Yeah, you're probably going to target a course to that fits your game, right? I mean, especially if, 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 you know, you don't want to struggle too much. So then maybe it's not that good for your golf game to be a member at certain courses. Like getting more variety would help to identify certain weaknesses in your game. You'd be able to be a little bit more, you know, it's a little, little more obvious if you're hitting your driver bad when you're playing a tight course versus a wide open course. For sure. And the last thing that for me seemed like kind of like an iffy situation is just that upfront cost in terms of being able to guarantee you're able to commit yourself to getting out there enough to justify it. And, you know, you're locking yourself into, you know, even if it's just a thousand dollars, depending on your situation, you know, that could be a significant you know, chunk of money, and if you can only get out three times a year based off of whatever the situation is, it's kind of like, it could be almost like a sunk cost. You know, all of a sudden, you have a summer that's just raining always, and you just it's courses are closed, courses are just underwater, whatever it is. You're not available. You know, you have 17 different weddings to be. You know, at our age, you know, a lot of people are getting married. Ken, Colin, look at you. Looking oh, at you. Oh, shit. Fuck. For the ladies that are listening, they are not available. Yeah, they're but. off the market. <laughs> Uh, as well as speaking to that, you know, in my circumstance, you know, my wife prefers me to, you know, limit myself to one, maybe two rounds a week. So, you know, depending on what you're paying for it, uh, you, Always know, you, you might two. not be able to get it. <laughs> if you rephrase that, it's like my wife likes limited to a hundred times a year. <laughs> she thinks a hundred times a year is pretty good, I think. Yeah, I think totally. I think one of, one of the math. points that you brought up about overbooking is I think it's a, an interesting like dichotomy because the more expensive a course gets the less busy it tends to be so it, these courses need to find like a really good balance between you know charging enough for their memberships but not having overcrowded t-sheets on a Tuesday afternoon when guys just or men and women want to get out after work for sure and then you obviously you know when you're first getting into potentially getting a membership you're at that like oh do i want to buy the five thousand dollar membership right now or do i want to just like test it out so it's that you kind of get caught in between of do i guarantee that i'm going to have availability or do i you know run the risk i think one thing interesting around where we are is a lot of the 
country clubs, which really there's only one or two, offer junior memberships for people a lot younger than me, but around you all's age. But you play a you pay you pay a much reduced rate, and it gets you into the country club where you join and you pay the golf membership fees at a much lower rate, and then you know you stay there for ten years, and then you get to the normal rate. But it's a very reasonable fee. When I was researching this for various country clubs in the area, what are we looking at? Like two grand? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I think the one I'm thinking of is fifteen hundred two grand, which is what we're what you and I have paid at for a, public a course, right? municipal a course that is just so overbooked. And so, you know, course quality is is a different conversation. But to be able to go out to a place, play eighteen holes in three hours whenever you want. And not have to book a tea time. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Now, was that the just like the initiation fee, or was there another fee beyond? That? Well, they they waive the initiation fees, and they're really trying to get people started early in these programs to kind of get them makes to sense. the full membership. When you're an adult and your whole family's coming, and you're spending buku bucks at the bar and the pool and the the restaurant and everything, but if you're just playing golf at some of these places, it's very reasonable. So, Dub, when you say junior membership, do you mean junior as in like under forty, or yeah, like under forty, as in you only get a certain certain amount of the per- purses? So, of so, so what I'm thinking of is junior membership is under the age of thirty, which Tolly no longer qualifies for here in three or four days, so he's out. But the rest of you still have a chance here. <laughs> so, under the age of thirty, you buy a junior membership and you get to play golf whenever you want for a no initiation fee, a reasonable membership fee. And then they have a young executive membership, which is kind of that bracket, the 30 to 40-year-olds, where no initiation fee. You're paying a little bit more of a membership fee. You're locked into paying a certain amount, food and beverage and all that. But it's a little bit more reasonable. I don't know about you guys, but the only place I'm considered an executive is on this podcast. So I don't know if I'm still going to be able to afford that junior executive membership. Yeah, I think it's, you know, like, I think the the vibe of the Big Players Only podcast is that most country clubs probably don't don't fit our vibe. It's a little too stuffy. I think I see where you're coming from. Uh, I, know, I know, like, a lot of country clubs, too, like, if it's, uh, if it's three grand a year, they're billing you monthly, too, which makes it seem like a lot more digestible. But, um, you know, I really think we're, you know, if you can find a country club that's got a good, a good player base, some really friendly people, and it's very community based, that's the key. We just can't stand those people that live up on a higher pedestal. I mean, I, I think we're in the wrong area for this country club kind of mentality because we're in the DC kind of premium lifestyle, everybody trying to pretend they're more than they're not or whatever and so they pay these exorbitant fees for these country clubs where they're never going to play golf and we don't have very many opportunities around here to buy reasonable memberships and so when you go to other places like i have a lot of experience with south carolina where everybody has a membership and it's basically the cost of a municipal around here and you play whenever you want great courses very reasonable friendly people there Yeah. yeah and so so that. when you're in places like that, I mean, it's very geographical based where whether or not a membership at a country club especially is is reasonable or makes sense. For sure. And then you come to that location, you, know, you go down south, you know, in the North Carolina, for example, there's hundreds and hundreds of courses all over the place where it's you know, maybe a little more competitive than it can be up, you know, and you move up the East Coast a little bit and then it's all of a sudden there's less area, there's all sorts of competing things, you know, around the D.C. there's 
Yep. How many local courses there, Colin? Ken, you guys were down there. Hardly we're not too any. much, right? Yeah, it's all private. Yeah, half a dozen for the whole metro area, I agreed. And even yeah. the muni courses are, what, 60, 70, 80 bucks around, especially on the weekends. And busy, right. Yeah, so when it comes down to it, I, I think from my perspective, you know, it comes out of your location and what's available when it comes to the membership. You know, if you can get a, a good rate for a decent course, you know, definitely worth it as well. You know, for me, golf is all about, you know, playing with other people and interacting. So if you can get a good group of buddies to play, you know, playing with you, all, all have that same membership and you can all get out there and you're, you know, someone lives close to the course, you can go out afterwards, you know, you know, have dinner, whatever the heck it is. It's, I think that makes it maybe worth it. But if it's a situation where you're just going kind of in on your own, unless you're really all about, you know, trying to like mess with meeting all the new people, which is great, but you know, you never know if you're going to have someone to play with. And I don't know if that's really worth it. Yeah. I think, you know, I think I like the idea of like the sustainable ecosystem of the country club vibe, but not necessarily the actual country club. So like, you know, why can't we get more of these municipal courses that offer affordable memberships that also invest in like their dining and their their uh, experience after the round and inviting families in and having enjoyable activities like a like a putt putt course or something for families to you know engage in and, and get more revenue in without actually like making it too much of a country club. Well, and I, I think that's a great point to one of the last things Tully said with a con of the membership is, you know, he has permission from wife or significant other. That's a, that's a tough sell when you're just buying a golf membership versus some of these places. Like what Ben was saying, they have pools. They have all different social events going on that it's, hey, let's do this as a family. I get the golf membership. You get the social membership. We can both get value out of this and and so when it's just golf it's a very tough sell when you're in a relationship or you have a family or whatever and so that's that's another thing that's tough about this area i know plenty of people who have country club memberships and for years and they don't even play any golf they just go for dinner and go to hang out and be social yeah i think there's a there's there's another aspect too here of like you know the business side of country clubs and the relationship sides of country clubs and we're really you know we definitely hate the stigma of a country club, but you know, a lot of business gets done there. Um, I think the kind of the, the the idea of everything that we're discussing is like it's quite literally Caddyshack and the people coming in and like just making a country club more fun, making it more inviting, making it more family based. Um, and like it's not a title that you wear like a badge on your shirt, like I'm a member at this country club. It's I get to hang out with my friends. We do it on a pretty affordable basis for all the things we get because I think the idea is that you're actually getting a pretty good value usually when people join country clubs, all the things you're getting. It's just, it's just the vibe that no one likes. Yeah. I mean, and mostly when it comes to the public courses, you don't get any of that vibe. So you get, it's really about like, can you get out enough in my mind? Like it, and that, that's where we live is, is those public courses that, you know, you can walk onto 99% of the time. You just might have to, you know, wait a little bit. And it's just a matter of, is it worth the, I can book whenever, or is it a situation where you're like, okay, I I can, just kind of hoped and pray. Agree. Any parting thoughts, Tully? Thanks for the segment. Really good. Yeah, I mean, it's tough when we're all sitting around a bonfire having a few drinks and we all say, hey, let's all join Clustered Spires or let's join the municipal course and we'll get a membership and we'll play there all the time. And then, you know, a few of us go do it. And then, you know, a few of us are left holding the bag when when, get other, on board. when others don't carry through with this with this plan. As so, I mentioned, the upfront cost and the permission from your significant other is a very important thing. 
and I didn't have such permission. Yeah, I'm going to try. I need to try and we need to try and talk our local club or municipal course into doing like a monthly billing program because I do think it's a lot less intimidating. I mean, even when you're paying for it in the months you're not playing golf, it's just like like in our case, it's fifteen hundred dollars to play for this this course for the year, and it's just like. Other than like tax return money, it's a lot of money to just like throw at a golf membership. So monthly billing or something that's a little more digestible sounds like a good idea. For sure. The monthly billing definitely is a easier sell. You know, we, we were able to, you know, sell some people on getting a new Xbox because they could do it uh, via monthly thing. Right, but, right. You know, when it comes to the golf course, it's, it's that $1,500 up front. And, you know, in my situation, the wife would love some new furniture and she wants it to go there. And I don't, I don't get that say. I get it. Cool. One couch or a year of golf? What do you it's going to be the couch for sure. Oh. I don't. I don't get that decision. Okay. Well, what comes with that new couch? I mean, I feel like you get a lot of perks when you bend over and you know. Wow, that sounded ob- weird. Obliged to uh, getting a new couch versus paying for that golf membership. <laughs> do agree. The upfront cost is challenging. Um, I think the monthly thing definitely tackles that, but. Uh, I, a great segment, guys. I think our viewers and listeners are, are going to have a lot of good information to go back. If if you're thinking about uh, getting a golf membership this year, you know, don't forget pros are unlimited playing time, tee time reservations, uh, some cons depending on where you're where you're getting your membership is overbooking and then redundancy of playing each course. So find the one that's right for you, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks a lot. See you, boys. Yep. <laughs>